Racing Pulse. This is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. We are live from the Ballarat Turf Club with Matty Stewart, Mick Sharking. The reason why we're here is not only counting down to Sportsbet Ballarat Cup Day, but because Racing Victoria is holding its annual vet seminar. It'll be held over two days. And, of course, uh, the head honcho when we come to veterinary services at Racing Victoria is Dr Grace Forbes, who joins us. And, Grace, you've been instrumental in putting today together and the topics and the speakers and the, the who's who of the veterinary world are here today along with a number of owners and trainers and other representatives who will be present at uh, the seminar today and tomorrow so it's great to see you here good morning good morning thank you very much michael and thank you for offering your assistance by also emceeing today for us <laughs> it'll be a busy day but i'm looking forward to it um what's the overall i suppose aim out of this seminar um in regards to from the rv veterinary point of view but also for the participants the aim today so is really to engage with our participants primarily the private vets and the trainers to open a conversation about medication and how we use medication in racing horses uh, and the way that we're going to do that today particularly in the afternoon is having this panel discussion where today we've got uh, Dr Ben Mason who's been on your show before giving his point of view as a private vet uh, and then we've also got an owner. We've got Brad Spicer here uh, providing sort of that different point of view. And then today we've got Professor Chris Witten giving his point of view, sort of coming from a research background. So we're really keen to get uh, participation from the audience. And so this is off the back of a survey that we did of trainers and private vets. And so what we want to do is share those results back with the broader training and veterinary uh, industry and then get some extra feedback from them today. So today is really all about hearing from our participants that can sort of help us move forward. Grace, is there a particular speaker or an angle or part of today that you're most looking forward to? I'm actually really looking forward to hear uh, Dr. Ben Barassi. I thought you were going to say Joel Selwood, so obviously. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to that because he, he is an excellent speaker, but uh, just hearing Dr. Ben's experience working in the AFL, and mm. so he's going to be talking about his experience as an AFL club doctor and his relationship with the... Uh, trainer, oh sorry I shouldn't say trainer, coach mm -hmm. uh, who is probably a little bit like a trainer and then also with the players who are a little bit like horses and yeah. so I think that just learning you know what can we learn from other sports uh, is always really interesting. Is there a, a, a significant point of innovation around medication and, and, and performance or, or managing issues that, that will come to, to light or be discussed today? The reason behind sort of opening this discussion about medication is it's something that's being talked about globally. Yeah. So if you look over in the States, they've just introduced Heiser, which is looking at uniform, sort of applying some uniformity to their medication rules in the States. Uh, and there's been lots of changes, things like extra regulation around bisphosphonates, extra regulation about clenbuterol. And so this is something that's being discussed in horse racing globally and so it's something that we need to start looking at ourselves. Grace there's a sort of a global position on drug-free racing but there's mm. also the issue of um, acceptable therapeutics and and so on and horse maintenance and the way we race them here and recovery. Is there ever going to be a situation where the 
drug-free racing strict policy is sort of off the advice of these sort of discussions about whether there should be some allowable, some more allowable therapeutics and so on for the greater good, for the benefit of the horses, that it doesn't betray the notion of drug-free racing really? Uh, I think that globally, and now America was really the only country that was sort of won out, uh, has this policy of drug-free racing. But as all of us know in the industry, that doesn't mean you can't use yeah. therapeutics. Yeah. It just means that they can't be in the horse's system when they come to race. So there's definitely a place for appropriate therapeutics that can assist the horse. So today we're going to talk about equine asthma. So if you've got a horse that's got asthma, just like any of us, me, I'm sneezing, I've got hay fever at the moment. And Good so, timing. <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, and so horses get asthma mm. and it's appropriate to treat them for asthma mm. uh, to make them more comfortable and also it helps with their performance. So there's definitely a place for it when it's appropriate and it's also in the best, it sort of has the horse's welfare yeah. at the Will, will there ever yeah. be a therapeutic that... That, that is so beneficial uh, and so uh, non-performance enhancing that it will be acceptable on a race day swap. Oh, I wouldn't like to, to speculate, yeah. but as it is at the Is moment, that a reasonable discussion to have in the future, though, about whether that strict policy... Whether there's a bit of wriggle room there because of the welfare of the animal, superseding the drug-free sort of thing, is is that though this, are they the sort of discussions that are happening in veterinary circles at all with racing? Uh, there's definitely always a discussion, but I guess if you sort of come back to first principles, if horses are fit to race, they should be fit and healthy, and they shouldn't really need any medication on board so that they can compete. But there is also a space for things like another thing we're going to talk about with Dave Eustace tomorrow, like managing gastric ulceration. Mm. And so that can be given at the moment right up until the day before mm. racing, and that is for welfare reasons. Yeah. Um, Dave's perspective sort of coming, that sort of he's shared, but he's looking at like, you know, it's expensive. Uh, do we need to be administering this to all horses or maybe only the horses that are affected? Are there any uh, side effects with any medications that we use that maybe we haven't contemplated? So it's just sort of people starting to think about how they do things and why yep. and the pros and cons. Yep. From a, a veterinary point of view, how constant is the research review on these types of, yeah. of, of equine medications and then also, how constant is your review of what should be allowed, what isn't allowed, and, and what's in that blurred line category? It, I mean, it is a, a constant uh, thing that we're always looking at. So there's new research being produced every day locally here in Victoria. We're always looking at uh, what's new, what's some new research that someone's done, and what can we learn from that uh, nationally, so we have a national veterinary and analysts group, and we meet regularly to discuss these things from a national perspective. So I'll meet with my colleagues, you know, uh, the head vet in New South Wales, Queensland, WA, uh, and then again on a global level uh, through the IFHA or the International Federation of Horse Racing. So that on all different levels, these are things that are being discussed continuously. How involved are you, Grace, or Race Victoria, in those research projects? And I understand that they'd be happening at universities and all sorts of facilities and whatever else, but do you drive 
some of that research that there's areas that you think, oh, you know, as a sport or an industry, we need to be better informed on this? Oh, definitely. So if we see... uh uh, a bit of a gap in our knowledge. Racing Victoria's had a really good history of sponsoring mm. research, so uh, we just finished in the last year uh, a really big project that uh, Dr Nath did looking at cardiac arrhythmias and mm. sudden death. Uh, and, you know, because there was really a, a bit of a lack of information about just even how common they are, uh, any risk factors, anything that we can do to prevent them. So definitely if we see a gap in the knowledge, we'll seek someone out that's appropriately qualified to do that extra bit of research. This is a question you may not have an answer to, but your your own curiosity might have... Any reason why so many horses are dropping dead in America, racehorses? That was a bit bluntly delivered. It was. But, um, uh, a but, 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 well, 13 at Churchill Downs, 13 at, 15 at Saratoga. I mean, Sandra Anita, and it's unbelievable. So from a veterinary point of view, what is going on over there? Uh, I, I think it's, it's not my place to speculate on what's going on in America, but I, I, I can say that having spoken to the vets over there, they are really, you know, there's some dedicated people and everyone is trying to find a way to make the sport safer so that it can continue successfully and so I mean I I wouldn't like to speculate because I don't know enough of the facts but speaking to the vets over there I know that there's a really concerted effort Uh, and I think they are making some inroads but you know they possibly have a bit further to go. Yeah because it's really really um at odds with outside values over there, and they're 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 on the edge of the cliff over there. Just speaking on that international front, um, which is a bit closer to Racing Victoria, are you getting the sense after another um, successful injury-free Melbourne Cup carnival that the internationals are becoming a bit more receptive, even the Japanese overseas, about the protocols that we put in place a few years ago? Oh. Definitely. uh, So I go over and I have a look at the horses at least once, um, particularly the European horses. And just having those conversations with the trainers over there, I think the change is coming in locally. So the BHA this year did uh, race day trot-ups of all the horses over the Ascot Carnival, uh, which they've been doing in the jumps races for a long time. They've introduced much more stringent vet protocols for the Breeders' Cup. So I think we're not the only ones that have some protocols that we ask people to complete before they come here. And I think there's a much better understanding of really, we want the horses, we want to make sure before before the horses come here and ship here, because it's expensive, it's a long way to travel and not without risk, that when they come here, they've got their best chance of passing the tests once they arrive and competing successfully. And so I think... With that sort of in mind, they're much more they've been much more open to them. And because sorry, Chuck, because I think the thing that upset them most was the getting here and then having the rug pulled. But I guess if if it's sort of the onus is on them at the other end, they're, they're actually quite confident that when they get here, they're not going to have that rug pulled. Exactly, and that yeah. that is the whole aim. Is that you know we really international participation is important and we want it, but we want it to be a good experience. And so if we can thoroughly you know, look over the horses when they're overseas so that when they come here, barring, you know, horses are horses and things might go wrong. They step on a nail and... But barring from that, the aim is that they come here in a position that they're going to be successful. The introduction of 
of those regulations has been, you know, uh, there's, there's been an adjustment period for, for everybody concerned. Has there been a specific learning that you've taken out of the last couple of years of, of those, those new measures? Uh, I don't know that there'd be one thing, but I really think the focus this year on, you know, really working with the owners, mm. the trainers, talking them through it, explaining why and why it's actually our way of trying to help them so that when they come here that they're successful. I think that's been the real learning is spending a lot more time you know, explaining the why. Had yep. there been a little perception of us against them and that, that had you had to break down that sort of perception between not just the vets and the trainers but RV and the participants that that was an important bridge to create because there had been a bit of a perception of um, not, a, not foes but sort of that we weren't working together necessarily? I think definitely the first year that we released the veterinary protocols for the Melbourne Cup and the spring racing uh, for the Melbourne Cup and the internationals, definitely there was an initial reaction, particularly from some of the international trainers of, oh, you're putting up these barriers to stop us coming. But that was definitely never the intention. And like I said, we really value the international participation. And what we want to do is make sure when they come, they uh, have their best chance of uh, competing successfully. Every year you review it, and this year there's, <clears throat> pardon me, being discussion about reviewing the number of start policy before a Melbourne Cup. Um, West Wind blows the, the horse that most people spoke about this year. Is it likely to change next year that there'll be more than a, a, a two run? Um, no, one run then into the Melbourne Cup to be extended, maybe? So for the international horses, they can have one run before mm. the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and so we've really only just started that process. And I think, uh, like I've said before, given that we've had three years uh, and they've been successful, yeah, uh, why change any, it now? <laughs> any changes that I think we would make would be more likely to be sort of minor adjustments rather than significant changes. Yep. I uh, guess what, just quickly on that, like, it's been such a relief the last three years it's hard to change a successful formula, isn't it, on that basis? Because most people feel that the number of internationals feels about right now. So as much as we can sort of chip away and say, oh, you should do this, this and this, like, starting point is it's worked. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating day today and then it continues tomorrow. I think it's being held at Cranbourne tomorrow and um, we'll get Joel on to have a chat, Joel Selwood, at around about 11 o'clock our time. He's going to be a speaker today because that correlation, as I mentioned before, between the superstar human athlete, the medical support that they receive and comparing that to what the equine support that the equine athletes get from a veterinary point of view is going to be a, a fascinating and it's probably moving closer and closer together, Grace. Oh yeah, they definitely are, and there is so much we can learn from from any from other sports. So um, I would quickly say that uh, tomorrow is at Cranbourne, ten till three uh, at the Turf Club, and so if you haven't registered, that's fine. Come along; we'll still let you in. Uh, and even here in Ballarat, we kick off officially at ten thirty. So if you're close by, you've got time to duck down, and you can always come in late. So we'd love to see as many people here as possible. Absolutely. Uh, good on you, Grace. Uh, we'll see you upstairs soon. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm trying to think who the racehorse equivalent of Joel Selwood would be. He always came off the field with a bloody nose and bumped and bruised. And a so you'd have to, it would have to be a gay waterhouse, like a perennial, like a <laughs> desert war or something like yeah, that. That's not a bad one. Yeah. Uh, uh, good on you, Grace. Appreciate your time.